magic of the sunstone, you're tuned into the Jewel Riders Archive. Hey Jewel fans, I'm Chris. And I'm Ronnie from the Jewel Riders Archive. We're here today to celebrate something a little earlier than Jewel Riders. This year, in addition to the 25th anniversary of Jewel Riders, also marks the 35th anniversary of She-Ra, Princess of Power. Oh, and it's such a fun property too. I love She-Ra. And it's so similar to Jewel Riders as well. Oh, yeah. You, there's a ton of similarities. I think people who love Jewel Riders would really love She-Ra or even the new She-Ra and the Princess of, of Power also. Definitely. So we're going to be talking to someone who is involved with She-Ra, and that's really exciting. Yeah. So today we've got Dave Woodman with us. He's an artist who worked for Filmation in the 80s, and he's a brilliant animator. And we're so pleased to have him with us today. Well, hello. Oh. Hi, Dave. Hi, it's Ronnie. How are you? Ronnie, I'm doing great. Awesome. And I have Chris on the line with me as well. So we're going to be doing a double phone call. Oh, He's in yeah. one end and I'm on the other and you're here as well. I like that. <laughs> hey, nice to meet you, Dave. Nice to meet you, Chris. What a great thing to talk to you guys today. We're going to make the world a better place. I hope so. What matters more than that? My parents were Mormons, and they took me to church, and I was so bored, we'd, we'd go to church for hours, hours and hours, and I would, so I started to draw all of the program. And then uh, we lived on a, on a ranch, and uh, I was, I had my own room that I would go in. They weren't, they weren't friends or neighbors or anything, just, uh, I'd go in my room, and I'd draw pictures, I could, I could take myself anywhere, you know, just by drawing pictures, me with, with anybody. It was, uh. It was good. A lot of isolation. How about that? I totally get drawing on church programs because I did that a ton as a kid as well. We're both guilty. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So that really kind of sparked our interest. Now, I I can say, at least from my childhood, I was heavily influenced by the animated cartoons that I saw, which was obviously the ones that you worked on. But for you, what was the biggest source of influence? Oh, gosh, I'd come home, I'd get off the school bus, and I'd watch the last 15 minutes of the Lucy show. Mm. just paradise for me. I mean, I, that's not even, the, that's not animation, really, but that's, that was entertainment, and it was uplifting and funny and happy, and I've, I've never really understood why Lucille Ball didn't connect with Disney ever with animation, but she didn't. So anyway, um, uh, let me think, you're, you're, you're asking about, about, animation influences right well i mean i think that if you said lucille ball and you know vivian vance i mean if they influenced you it doesn't necessarily have to be animation so if they influenced you from an early childhood were you drawing caricatures as a kid on those church programs yes and the thing is oh you know what happened with that is um uh, i i how did this unfold let me let me just remember someone told me oh lucille ball wants to oh oh, oh, oh yeah there was a magazine called Star Notes, and they said, can we print some of your Lucille Ball images? Uh, I'm not going to pay you, but can we print, 
course. You know, I was living on a farm on a ranch. Um, um, yeah, you can print my work. I thought that was great. And um, she saw it. And uh, then I got word, Lucille Ball wants to buy some of your drawings. Like, Are you kidding me? Are oh, you that's kidding? so you know, cool. This is like, this is like <laughs> the, the person that I admire most in the world reaching out to buy my drawings. And I don't know another time in her life when she bought artwork. It just wasn't really her thing. But it was during the Here's Lucy years, and maybe she just felt really, really grateful for her fans and her life. And um, so I sent off a bunch of artwork, and she bought some from me, sent me a check. And I thought, after that, I thought, okay, okay, I'm an artist. <laughs> what a fantastic story. That's awesome. And I remember, as far as animation, I remember going to see 101 Dalmatians. Um, I remember my sister dropped me off, and she was supposed to go with us, but who knows where she went. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, we went in there, and and I just thought that was amazing. Cruella Deville. I thought, why does she have orange hands? What's going on here? She is wonderful. She's always been my favorite animation character. And I'm going to say to you, kids, probably what reaches you when you're a kid, like since my work reached you, that has a special place that you'll love all your life. That's my take on it because of the things that that I loved, loved, loved as a kid. A lot of those things just last forever. My, my favorite movie is still Almost. the Mad, Mad, Mad World. And I, why do I watch that and laugh all the time? I don't, I don't know. And, I, and if, I, if I shared it, if I sat down with you kids and you watched it, you may not get it. Because it reached me when I was young, when I thought, when it was just so spectacular. And um, that holds a place in your heart. I think it's totally you're you're totally right. The power of art that you experience as a child stays with you so long. You know, I I think of Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin or Jewel Riders or She-Ra. And those are things that have really I've carried with me, you know, through my whole life. That makes me so happy. And I hear it all the time. And I'm so glad. Most definitely. um, Yeah. I consciously always consciously decided or from early on that every every choice I was I, I, did, I made was to make the world a better place because I really cared about it and that's why I headed to Disney animation I mean I, I was out here on the farm and ranch and, and um and I, I remember talking to my friends at school and saying a lot of a lot of people a lot of people said oh you can't make a living as an artist you can't do that and then I had a friend, Sandra, in school. I hadn't even told this story before, but um, she said, hey, Dick, Dick Van Dyke came from a little town, and look at what happened to him. And I had no idea that later on I would, for the last four years, I went to Dick Van Dyke's Halloween party at his house, and he's a darling, wonderful man. But it's just that um, that encouragement, people, people, have, people have come to me and said, can you encourage my child? And I have to think, your child is either an artist or he's not. He's either going to go for it or he's not. I don't know if you can put that in them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can. It, um, probably my being a little, I always, thought, I always felt like I was a little odd. <laughs> so I always felt like I had something to prove. Probably just a little gay. I think that's probably what it was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what it was. It was gay as hell. And the worst thing you could call somebody... In this town was a fag. That's the worst thing you could say about anybody. I'm like, whoa. Uh, so I, 
I grew up with that. And then I thought I just kind of had something to prove, I think. And, and along with wanting to do what would make the world a better place. And I spent my youth working really hard in those, on those animated projects. No regrets. Um, it took everything. I didn't have time for dates. I didn't have time for anything. I'd go home and sleep. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I just being driven, maybe maybe being driven has to come from some kind of suppression. Maybe. That's a guess. And that's, 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 that's making it very simplified, but I can say that for myself. If And even looking at Lucille Ball's life, she was just, she was very poor in her hometown and not popular and, and um, she certainly had something to prove and she did. Mm-hmm. I've actually heard it. I've read a book before called the best little boy in the world that oh, talks God. about um, children who, who grow up gay often go on to, and are trying to hide it will often go on to be really successful because they are trying to prove something or make up for something and they go on to do really amazing things. I believe in that for myself. Maybe it doesn't always work. I mean, you can you can end up dead. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Hopefully not. But I think that you, did, you did definitely hit on a point when you're talking about the fact that, you know, if you don't feel like you really belong, and I think that that was one of the reasons why films like The Little Mermaid, for me, hit home so hard because I identified with the character. So again, as you said, you you know, it's the memories of those childhood, you know, whether it's a television show or a comic strip or whatever it is, it's how you escape reality and you retreat into this fantasy world. And so for me, identifying with Ariel, I understood what it felt like to be a fish out of water. And that's what helped me understand why some of the things that weren't so pleasant were happening in my life. And I correlated a lot of whether it was the misunderstandings between her and her father or other problems that other, you know, anime characters faced, or even just sometimes like a She-Ra character or a He-Man is that you have an alternate ego. And in one sense, you are this strong, powerful person. But in the other sense, you could easily be mistaken as like a Clark Kent, like you just kind of fit in with everyone else. And and that helped me to find my inner rainbow. And I think that very early on, I understood that I, too, was gay and it helped me to understand and it helped me to cope with it. And so when you're talking about you know, the importance that media plays in a child's life, you know, for me, it also drove me to want to succeed. So when I was very young, I always wanted to, you know, work in the film industry. I loved creating and being part of like, whether it's making like a toy or making a book or memorabilia or whatever it might be. And that also led me down the path of my marketing career. So I think that when you're young, a lot of your interests definitely mold what your future will be. Now we're getting somewhere. Most definitely. <laughs> because, so, I mean, so many great guys love this stuff. And I, you just, what you said really resonates. And I don't know if I ever actually figured it out before, probably, but I, you know, sometimes I wonder why so many gay guys just really love this stuff that I worked on. You, you really said a mouthful mm-hmm. there. Oh, well, thank you. And you know, I think that, <laughs> thank you. And you know, the thing is, is that whether, you know, 
There's lots of people that have talked about the original Hans Christian Andersen story and, and that too, they say that it's even his own telling of how he's bisexual or whatever it might be. So it's like, I feel like some of these stories were written that way. And then whether they were created by Disney or they were made by another animation studio, you know, it's like the story continues to inspire that targeted audience. So that's why oh, I love cool. them. I heard yeah. that uh, he yeah he wrote that because he didn't he wanted to be part of their world really because he didn't fit into some wealthy they um a lot of people say it was a guy that he was in love with and a lot of people right. say it was a girl but whatever. well one way or yeah, the other we identify with it you know I think I think that it. feeling of not fitting in is a universal feeling you know gay or straight okay oh I love it okay because it sort of works right. Everyone can be the underdog. <laughs> I think, you know, everyone can look and at also, characters like Ariel and Belle and feel that sense of, of I, I don't belong with the people around me. Mm-hmm. But I do Gosh, think, the, you know, I do think gay people are particularly <laughs> prone to feeling that. Right. Very prone. Side and adventure. I understand a lot of guys, a lot of gay guys like that because they're in an upside down world. I'm like, wow, that's cool. Oh, that's and an interesting, oh, okay. I never thought about that for that. Yeah. And you, you touched on something else about the original stories that come through. Um, I, I interviewed, like you're doing me, the, the, the woman who uh, wrote It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And, and I, I talked to her. She wrote to me once and said, it's amazing that you're responding to the story that we wrote and not especially what this, the film turned out like because it was a very moral story. And she didn't – a lot of that was cut out, uh, the moral parts, the, the reason these people wanted the money and whatnot. And she, she was just – very impressed that I could uh, pick up on the feeling that she put into it. So how cool mm-hmm. different translations of, of the story and, and what carries through. Definitely. So from being inspired to leave your rural kind of country living, did you then move to the city or like, what was your first gigs? Ah, I was a missionary. Were you? <laughs> I, I was, well, I was always very geared towards wanting to do the right thing. And at that time, that's what I thought was the right thing. Well, mm-hmm. now I think I have to go to Tennessee from door to door and apologize to those people. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do the right thing. So I, I did the missionary thing. Um, I, after that, I went to, to college up in, in Sheridan. My parents were wonderful to me. I don't know why they believed in me. They just did. And I guess I just never really gave them a reason not to, which is nice. Um, they let me go to Sheridan College, Sheridan in Canada, in uh, Toronto, Ontario. They were open in the summertime only for Americans, to come, not Americans, USA people to come up there. And um, I went and I learned that I basically learned the in-between flip, which was uh, the, the way you flip paper so that you can draw a drawing that goes in between two drawings and you can watch it move. And I made more money off of the in-between flip than anything else in my life. So mm-hmm. thank heaven. I mean, um, where were we going after that? You asked me something. I hope I, I answered it all. Well, basically, like, where did you start off in? Like, you know, you were coming from a rural country living to missionary, apparently. And then from there, you know, basically, like, where did you start? Carry on with that. Um, I went to a, a school, a Mormon school called Ricks College, <laughs> which... <laughs> There's not a lot of people impressed when you tell them you went to Rick's, Rick's college. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I did. A lot of the stuff I learned there was is totally obsolete. Totally. So um, 
I would not like to in I would not like to suit down the idea of going to college because maybe it's really important now. A lot of times they look for a degree, but for my time period, and maybe this still works. My father used to tell me, he said, Dave, when you get a job, they're going to tell you what they want you to do and how to do it. Oh, okay. So when I went out to Hollywood, I thought I'm going to go, I'm going to see if I can just get work instead of, and, and have people pay me to learn instead of paying a college to teach me. That's the way to and do so it. That works. It worked. It worked like a charm. They set me down, and I knew the in-between flip. That's all I needed. So they set me down, this is what we want you to do, and, and uh, faster, cheaper. <laughs> and, uh, um, I would recommend that even. If you can, I know college is important. If I had gone to college, I would have learned storyboarding, and that could have carried me further. But um, that's, that's the only really regret that I have. Other than that, I couldn't get a job at a gallery because I didn't have a, a, a degree in college. And like, do I really care about that? You, you boys tell me, is it different? Well, I think that you can definitely get more experience. You know, it depends because I mean, I myself also, right. I mean, I'm still, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I'm still on my college path. So um, I never really officially graduated and yet I've gotten so much experience, you know, and I, and I've still gotten jobs and I've still gotten freelance gigs. So I think it is important, but at the same time, you know, as you were saying is that why, necessarily pursue that when you do have opportunities like internships or where you are able to get the job and you kind of learn as you go. I I think that there's definitely positives in getting a degree. And, you know, sometimes you do, as you said, you know, you do need that education piece in order to get certain jobs or, you know, maybe you don't have all the opportunities open and available to you if you don't have that credentials. But I think that overall, you know, you can learn a lot of things. And for anyone who is listening... Let's let's just, you know, we have to remind some people. I know that most people are going to be fans of animation and might understand the lingo, but do you want to explain to them what exactly an in-betweener is? Sure, but the, let me finish one thing that I, I just really think is important while we're talking about college. Being, the, I went to a little college, ask me the in-betweener question later. Okay. I went to a school when I first went out to Hollywood. First went out there, didn't know anybody. There was this little storefront called the Brandis Art Institute that trying to get things going and they were teaching animation. And um, uh, I went there because the people you go to school with, this is your connections, your right. friends. When the people you know. Project, when somebody gets a project greenlit, they're going to hire their friends. Remember that. So anyway, yeah. What's an in-between? Um, and in-betweens take up most of the movie. If you watch a movie, um, there's a, a, an extreme drawing of Ursula over here doing this. And then another extreme drawing of her over there doing this. And then I just would fill in the drawings in between to get her there, keeping track of the volumes, keeping track of the expressions they wanted, keeping track, track of the, the lip sync of the, of the uh, whatever she's saying, the, the, the dialogue. The, the voice track. Um, that, that's the in-betweens are, are most of the drawings. They, the the, the uh, movement is mapped out. This is what we want her to do. But they, it takes one, one drawing equals one twenty-fourth of a second. And it takes that many drawings, 24 drawings, to make a second to get from point A to point B. And it, that's putting it very simply. 
because it's not always a second to get from one point to the next. But sure. it's uh, the flow of things. Um, there had to be a lot of artists to, to, to do those drawings, and they had to be right. They, uh, there were you know, things to follow, like follow through and overlapping action and squash and stretch to make it come alive. For example, when Ursula grabs uh, the stuff out of her, you know, there's like a butterfly in a, in, a, in a jug and whatever, and she grabs it out of her, and she turns around, okay? She, I, did, I helped animate that. When she turns around, the guy said, okay, my, um, the key said, okay, Dave, I want you to redo this drawing. When she turns around, make her butt go way up. Let's have her really sticking it out. So <laughs> that type of thing, to keep it alive. That's a very quick scene. You'll never see. I mean, now if you go and look for it, you could see, oh, and you could like frame at a time. But it goes by so quick. It's more what you feel than what you actually ever see. Right. And I can tell you as a child who was interested in animation, even on my VHS tapes, I would love to go frame by frame on certain scenes and see how the animation was handled and to see what happened. And I mean, Chris can attest to this. As a child, I was so interested in animation that I think that I knew more about animation than most common 10-year-olds. I mean, I think, you know, I understood the properties. I understood the processes. I, I even understood that, you know, while many children think that Disney created these movies, I knew that they came from original sources. So, you know, again, I was always interested in things like that. And I even had, like, a little encyclopedia that named some of the best you know, animation history and cartoons. So I knew about like Gertie the Dinosaur or Betty Boop or, you know, about those techniques like squash and squash and blah, 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 squash and stretch and, you know, Hanna-Barbera. Like I knew about all that stuff in elementary school. So it was definitely well, my, something that I enjoyed learning. Excellent. My version of that was I got a job at the movie theater and I would look at the film one frame at a time. So we were, mm -hmm. we were the same. Yeah. Generation. Exactly. See, we're always being inspired. So now since yeah. we're talking about in-betweeners, um, and I know that you yeah. had a couple of other um, opportunities to work as an artist on this film, let's go ahead and talk about your roles with He-Man. So I know that you were part of the film, so we are going to be talking about He-Man and She-Ra, The Secret of the Sword. So that's the 1985 film. So it's celebrating its 35th anniversary this year. Um, what memories do you have of working with that film and with Filmation? Here's the secret of my sword. When I would draw him, I'd get very excited under the desk. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Woodman in The um, Secret of His Sword. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of gay followers out there that are probably listening to this and they're going, yep, that was definitely a moment when I knew. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, uh, The Secret of the Sword, I believe it was four episodes put together. Was it three or four? Do you know this? I want to say it's four or five. Oh, maybe. Okay, okay. Um, they strung them together. Um so I would have worked on those, yeah. Uh, it, it, we didn't really keep track of who did what back then on, on, at Filmation. They'd, you'd go to the to doors, she'd give you a folder and say, here, get this done. It wasn't especially this, this team does this and that team does that. It was uh, more like everybody did everything. So I can't really, I don't have a lot of specific memories of what I did at Filmation. Plus they had a lot of stock footage. Yeah, I was going to say Filmation was always really known for their stock footage catalog. 
yeah. you know, He-Man he so punching the screen or, you know. <laughs> that was so brilliant. I mean, they could do that. Somebody was telling me they wanted to do that nowadays and, 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 and they had to, were told that you can't do that anymore. No, you can do that better now with computers. You can have stock footage. You can do that much better if you need to, okay? Just keep that in mind. But uh, yeah, um, as far as secretness, I just remember having a, a big event where we all got to go to the theater during the day and watch The Secret of the Sword. My name was on the... Wait a minute. I don't, I'm not even sure my name was on the credits of that. I think it might but be it on the same them, unfortunately. I might be on that one. But see, the funny thing is, at, at the same time, they released uh, Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night, which is their, their, um, they had a feature unit for a while. They were going to try and compete with Disney. Right. <laughs> but but um, my name is on Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. I never did a single drawing on that. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think they just took all the credits and, and just piled them in there. Oh. Of the people who worked for Filmation. So well, now- I always thought that my, my name was on, on Emperor of the Night. I always thought my name was on that because they just used the same credits as, as uh, Secret of the Sword. But I, I can't really remember for sure if I've spotted my name on Secret oh, of the Sword. We'll have to go and look. Well, that's a funny story, though, because on, at least on IMDb, it says that you are credited as an assistant animator on Pinocchio, but you're uncredited <laughs> for He-Man of the She-Ra. So then we actually have a question for you because there is actually a filmation film that we do really enjoy, but it's a little bit after the time. Did you ever work with Happily Ever After? The 90s Snow oh, White sequel. That was that was before Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. I think that was the first one they did. And I didn't work on that, but a lot of kids love that. They're like, this is my guilty pleasure. Uh, <laughs> I, I would love to let's watch that. Invite me over. I haven't seen it. No, I, I, I hear good things. Does it have Phyllis? Is Phyllis Phyllis it does. Yes, oh, my it does gosh. And Chris Phyllis loves Phyllis. it for that. Oh, she's so wonderful. <laughs> and I know that, Dave, you love Phyllis Diller as well. Yeah. Oh, I, oh yeah, she used to invite me over to her house. I mean, um, she, she, well, I saw a periodical. I got one of those newsstands. I think they still have them. Newsstands were outside, <laughs> and I was looking at some periodical and said, said Phyllis Diller in a little blurb there, and I thought, I remember consciously thinking, oh, if I could spend time with any celebrity, it would be Phyllis Diller. And this kind of reminds me, you know, think of Mary Poppins when those papers go up out of the chimney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they fly away. And I thought, wow. And, then, and just within a year, she was inviting me over to dinner. She would cook for me. Just oh, how sweet. In the house. She'd serve me at the table, tell me jokes the whole time. I was doing artwork with her. Um, it was magic. It was magic that that happened. That's, I, I don't know how many things I've wished for that didn't come true, but I always remember that it was pretty amazing. She was darling. She was one of, I, I did her book cover and uh, Penguin Books said, no, we're not going to pay you for that. And, and, she paid me out of her pocket. Oh, for, full price out of her pocket when Penguin Books reneged. Uh, can you believe that? That's just sweet. That's wow. I, That's I used to wander what through a her story. House. She'd say, "Oh, I'll be in in a minute." Just and I'd wander through her house. She she subscribed to Playboy magazine and the National Enquirer. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> Did she? <laughs> she got along with interesting. Really well. Those are the two. I thought, well, these are the two you subscribe to. She had to keep informed, you know, to be funny. And uh, Mm -hmm. those those were two of her sources. Well, I mean, I guess Playboy is a little bit of a source of, you know, gossip and things like that. So I know along with other things. (laughs) I know she wasn't gay at all because I saw her interviewed by this lesbian once. And she said something about gay. Who would would be like that? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, really? No interviewing, do you? It was a studio oh, one, even. And she had no idea, and that's kind of funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, sometimes well, people well, don't she, assume. She suspected me. She suspected me because I took a, I took a friend. I took a friend to see her the last time I went to her house. I took a friend with me who's a girl. And, um, she, and she grabbed my friend. She said, I want to talk to you. And my friend told me, she said, I always thought Dave veered out towards the boy. <laughs> oh, how funny. <laughs> and, and, she, and then uh, my friend said, well, he treats me really well. Blah, 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 blah. But I know that um, Phyllis had a husband, her second husband, that uh, she thought was a bit gay. In her mm. book, she talks about how he would come back from, you know, with his pants and his shirt untucked. <laughs> I, I made that up. She had more. What she said was she he, he had semen on his breath. Oh, my. Oh, my God. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on your show. Well, you know, if it can happen to Judy, it can happen to the best of us. Not that never necessarily her husband's happened that. I don't know how she knew that, but she did. Wow. So speaking of He-Man, now you did recently share a story on your Instagram about you having some um, artwork in your truck and some children stopped you. I I thought that was a really sweet story. Do you want to share it? Oh, my God, that's one of the sweetest stories ever that happened to me. You know, when we were – oh, let me just back up and say, when we were working for Filmation, I, I have a friend at Filmation that, that we once had this talk with him. Oh, I used to pass to this place and think, I hope I never have to work there. <laughs> oh, really? It was the best job I've ever had. But, see, they were doing the slock, of, according to animation in general. According to uh, – okay, even when we were there, we were thinking, oh, if we could only work for Disney, and they're doing something called the Black Cauldron. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, and then oh, the people with blues—they're doing the good stuff. We didn't realize we were doing the stuff that was getting to you kids and inspiring you. Mm-hmm. We thought we were working on the crap. No, as time as time goes by, who remembers Black Cauldron? Very few. Don no, Blue I was going to say people few. remember He-Man way more than the Black, Black Cauldron. Cauldron. <laughs> Definitely, and we didn't know it. And and it was paradise working there because there weren't a lot of fights, you know, about who gone, who won, who gets credit for what. Because nobody wanted credit for this. <laughs> that sounds sad to hear, unfortunately. I'm sorry. No, don't feel bad. I mean, I hear you say that's sad, but it was, it was, we thought we were working on the trash. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we were working on is what you kids loved, and that's what matters. Right. And now, now we're running Hollywood. And well, you know, you never know how it's going to go. You think, and, and, that's, you know, something about projects and working in the entertainment industry is that sometimes, you know, just because you have a name behind you, you think, oh, this isn't as important. Or you think, oh, this is super important because I have this name behind you. But it's really what's remembered by the fans. And I mean, even here at the Jorah's Archive, you know, when we talk to some of like the art directors or people that are involved, that's their memories that we love hearing. See, and I felt like I had to tell you the downside of that just to show you how what the really upside is. Because mm-hmm. then I went out to somebody's house. I don't know what I was doing there. Some, in some place in Reseda, some rural area. And I, I don't, I wish I could remember, but I don't. I went into the house for some reason. And when I came out, the kids that were playing in the yard had stopped. And they were all staring at me. I'm like, okay. And uh, one of them, Piped up. Did you work on He Man? <laughs> yes. And then I looked at my car seat. There was a folder that had the Filmation logo on it. I thought, oh, they looked in my 
it was a, it was a pickup truck, but they looked in the front seat and they saw that folder. And um, as I drove away, they just all washed me with their mouths open. <laughs> it was the sweetest thing. So yeah, so that's that's a little clue there that I was working on something that mattered and doing what I wanted to do, make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Now you said that you also did have other credits working on He-Man as well. So you had mentioned breakdown artist, character designer, and animator. Um, specifically, were oh. you assigned certain characters, or who did you remember working on? Okay, now those, those you when you asked me that, that was for all animation. On, oh, uh, I see. Okay. Breakdown artist is, I never knew the difference with breakdown artists, but what was nice is they had in between and breakdown artists and, and then key assistant. And, and uh, um, in, in between breakdown assistant and key assistant. So when, at Filmation, they just call you in. Doris called me and she said, hey, you've been here a little, a little while longer. You've been here a certain amount of time. It's time for you to get a raise and a promotion. So then I was a breakdown artist. But uh, I didn't notice any difference whatsoever in the work. <laughs> I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's some difference, but um, uh, it was just a higher higher pay. It was breakdown and in between are very similar. So I would say that breakdown means that you do uh, number. If there's if there's five drawings, you do one and three, and 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 then the in betweener does uh, two. That that just it makes sense to me. And it's it's not really always that mechanical. They hand you a scene, you get it done, and you have to be able to roll through to make sure it works. That's another thing with the, with your fingers rolling the pages, then you could see how it moved. Um, so if, if everybody just did their in-betweens, it might be, <clears throat> no, but if you roll through it and the same person did it, it would be much more of a flow, much more tendency to make it work. Right. Right. Cause you're following oh, yeah. your own, your own art. Yeah. Well, cause you, you're, if you're responsible for the whole scene, then you, you're familiar with what's in there. If they hand you to do it, just do this one in-between. You don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's different that way. There are a lot of things that, that have to flow through the, the scene and work that way. So it's, it's, it just, I see that it works better instead of dividing it up to two different, to break down in between. If one person can do the whole thing, that's better. And as far as uh, character design, that came later. On Cats Don't Dance, I was my first character design job. And, um, um, uh, Cruella de Vil in 101 Dalmatians TV mm-hmm. series. I designed her costumes. And animation, I was, there was a pecking order and everybody was expected to be an animator. And I never wanted that. I, I never wanted, that was higher pay and the more respect. But I didn't want to do the scribble drawings. What I did, you kids, matters now, is I did the drawings that you see on the screen. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. The, the animators would do more of a rough version, and then we would make it solid and and move like a, 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 we we were supposed to pretend like it was a real a real person, a real character. Right. That's now, we're gonna, on, yeah. and speaking of the the animated characters, so I know I'm going to go back to again Shira and He Man, but you did recently post a photo of it looks like a setup cell, or at least it's a production cell with maybe a setup and a production background as well. Um, do you have other artwork that maybe you saved from the filmation of He Man or Shira, or do you have any specific memories? I mean, do you remember it all, like any scene or any character that you drew from that movie? I have model sheets that I found because I drew guys on the back of them that I like. Oh, I see. Those probably guys are probably really ugly by now. <laughs> anyway, but I, that's why I have the model sheets. 
Now, if you want, if you want He-Man and She-Ra artwork, you can get it where I got that. Palm Springs Vinyl Records and Collectibles, they sell this. They're going to run out because um, their, their provider of all these sales evidently sh- recently sold everything overseas. So that's gone. But, but they had original He-Man, She-Ra stuff in there. If you go in and look and talk to them, for a while they had Brave Little Toaster. Um, I'm astounded by some of the stuff they have. They, they have gorgeous stuff. But I know for sure, if you hurry, there's a long sell of Shiva riding a horse, and there's another character in it. I think it might even be Bo riding horses. But anyway, it's a long pan cell with the, with the copy of the background behind it. That's I always notice that when I go in there. Oh, that's awesome. So, I've got a, I've got a few that? He-Man and She-Ra cells and like cleanup art in my Good, in my collection. It. Yeah, which is really yeah, cool to have. So I don't really have a lot because I didn't. I mean, I picked some film out of the trash once. It was He-Man turning by the power. Of whatever. No, no, that's is that what he when he has his when he holds his sword up? Yeah, by the power of Gray Skull. Yes, and then he transfers. They for some reason there was a film strip of that in the trash, and I picked it out and I sold that later. But um, as far as sales, we didn't. Um, I, I didn't. I don't. I don't have all. I have is what they gave me from Palm Springs Vinyl Records and Collectibles. I and, see. Oh, as far as being an animator, I was an animator once that I was working for the Croyers, and they said, you do this animation. I thought, oh, well, okay, I know I can, but I, I wanted to do the assistant work. Um, and it was, honey, I shrunk the kids. So when, in the beginning, the animation, when the kids first shrink and they go, woo, they get with, here with a ray or whatever, and they shrink, that's my animation and my cleanup. But as far as doing the animation, I knew the techniques of animation and what to do and what to follow. But I've always loved working clean. So that's where I fit in with rough animation. I see. Now to, so, to talk a little bit about filmation, I was wondering if you had any memories of Lou Scheimer. Oh, God, he was a darling man. He was wonderful. People used to compare her to him to uh, Jimmy Stewart. I kind of see that. Oh, I he can definitely see that. Yeah. He was always there with us. He was always nice. The guy that he hired to do the color, I don't know his name, but he was really crusty and mean. I remember one time I was at the Xerox machine and this guy was all impatient behind me making noises. He was so impatient. What the hell are you? What's wrong with you? But he was <laughs> he was important because he did the colors. And we always thought, don't get mad, you guys. Don't be disappointed when I say this. We, everybody there thought those colors were just atrocious. <laughs> they are a little lurid when you look at them today. <laughs> about what the hell is going on here but he was Lou's friend so he did the colors um Lou was darling he uh he cared get this back then they cared about making shows with a moral oh mm-hmm. I love that with a heart they don't do that anymore they give you the worst example of how to be <laughs> but just they cared about putting things out I mean they went through I think they would talk to priests and stuff like that but I'm guessing but I know that I know that the priest part, I'm guessing, but I know they, they talked to a lot of people and got feedback to make sure those shows were a good example to you kids. I'm like, wow, who does that? They cared. He was a good person. He was a very good person. And he fought to keep the, the last animation TV animation studio here. Eventually it, it tanked, but you know what? Um, I admire him so much. I, I would love to have been friends with him. I, I, you know, I was just, I was just one of the, a cog in the wheel. I was one of the drones, like usual. <laughs> I love being a drone. You just go to work and do your do your job and get all this work done. Um, 
I, I didn't talk to him much. I wasn't friendly because I thought I didn't have anything to offer. Mm. It's interesting that you should talk about the morals. Chris and I had gone to PowerCon not long ago, and there was a panel discussion mm-hmm. where they specifically talked about the morals. Um, Chris, do you remember anything specifically regarding that? Tell us, Chris. I mean, I'm trying to remember because I didn't go last year to PowerCon. Was it, oh, was it a couple of years ago? Yeah, it might have been. But they were basically just they were they were talking about how they would end all the shows with specific where they went back and they like talked about like oh you saw this in the yeah. show and this is the reason why you should do this, kids. So right, and so. Some of the panel was talking about the fact that they felt like it was a little hokey, like, oh, kids aren't going to really remember that. And yet people in the audience oh, were yeah. to it, and they were saying, no, that was the part that I remembered the most. Like, I remembered that at the end of the oh, show, like, that's what we stayed on for. So, you know, it might have seemed a little ridiculous at the time. And maybe, you know, Lou was one of those idealistic men that, you know, wanted something good in animation. I think that by reaching for yeah. something like that, he definitely created something that was memorable. We put it in your head. I'm so glad we did. Yes, it was positive brainwashing. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, the other brainwashing just made me think that I was a mermaid at age three. But that's a whole other story. (laughs) But that's fine, too. Exactly. (laughs) You're fish out of water. Uh Uh-huh. True. True, true, true. So so from Filmation, where did you find yourself? Because I know that that would have been the mid-'80s, and then obviously you you worked on Mermaid, so... Where was the transition? I worked on one thing before that. I worked, I worked on one thing before that that everybody's forgotten, but I'll just say it. There's a movie out there called um, Star Chaser, and it's it's the first three. Oh, my gosh. I love that movie. You do? Oh, I you do. just did. There you go. I think I had three years of work on that. I have I have flips of of, of Dag when, when he says, strap yourself in. And he says, shoot, shoot yourself. And he takes off in the ship. Um, whenever the, the ship would land, the landing gear, I drew that because they didn't have – it was computer animated back then. A, a computer would hold a pen. Get this, and it was like etch a sketch. And it would it would draw on paper. What is that? Wow. And, um, with, with I know it's like some sort of Rube Goldberg device, <laughs> almost. It was very. I think that's that's a good way to put it, because it was it was, it was a chain going left and right, and a chain going up and down. It would pull these the pin. I don't know how they hooked that up to the computer, but they did. And then uh, a lot of times the computer would, would forget to draw lines, and they'd hand me this undone drawing, and I could finish it. I knew, I knew what, the, what lines were le- left out. And then they, the computer would only handle doing um, the head of the ship at a time, and then the neck of the ship, and then the body of the ship, and then the left engine and the right engine. And I would take these drawings and, and, and cut them together on one sheet of paper tape on the back. So it's all those drawings would, would would end up being one drawing because I did it. And then when the, when they'd had to land, I would put the landing gear coming down. Like at one point when the, when the landing gear hit, kicks that robot's head off, I, that's the type of thing I would do. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised you know that, and I'm glad you do. But see, we would do one drawing for each eye. I don't know if you saw it in 3D. Probably not. But you can go I on YouTube. I haven't. Yeah. If you go on YouTube with they 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 transferred it to. Uh, the hokey, the blue and red glasses. It was it was polarized in the theater, but you can watch it in 3D on YouTube if you want to, if you're curious. And we did one drawing for each eye, and I love that. I I love that now. If I want to do a drawing in 3D, I can do that, and I have plans even that I might do that. So. Ooh. There you go. But that's backtracking. You want to go four four 
forward from that is uh, everybody was trying to get in on, on a Disney because Filmation tanked. It was went under, and um, there's always all this panic and what are we going to do and whatnot. I remember it was even on the news. Jeez, but um, we all tried to get hired at Disney, and I had a friend who who had to get a job right away because he he uh, just needed the money and he got this this job that was nothing. But he said, I said I'll I'll take your portfolio in for you. Uh, I have to go in anyway. I'll just take yours in with mine, and then. For Oliver and Company, they hired him and they didn't hire me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but we never fought. We're, we're friends to this day. He's one of my favorite friends. He's a nice guy. Got married to Kathleen, who was a, started out as a receptionist on Cast Don't Dance and then ended up being one of the main uh, line drawing artists for Sawyer. She's wonderful. They're married now with kids. So there's. Um, anyway, back, back, back to where. Okay. Then. They, they would say, okay, in the correspondence, we're, we're, we're going to be bringing, we're probably going to be bringing in more people on the next movie, which is The Little Mermaid. Nobody ever heard of that. What is this? Okay, whatever. Um, and so we might need you then. And I was so glad that I was in the first wave they brought in. It was wonderful. And I had no idea what I was getting into. They took us in there and, and showed us the rough cut. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is great. I remember the sha la 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 part with the you know with the the bullet around there. It was all in storyboard or, or rough sketches or whatever, and um, it was just so moving. That whole thing. We, I think, um, there's one guy I can think of that didn't like working on it, but but I think most of us thought this is great from the start. We thought we knew we had a hit on our hand. Most of us. Um, there was a woman in ink and paint. I remember her talking to me, Cherie. I liked her very much. She, she's, I'm certainly forgotten, I'm sure. But, um, Cherie Miller. I thought she was so gorgeous. She was this old lady who wore these fitted suits and had her hair up and just was so pretty, I thought. And She, uh, she wasn't really the nicest person. <laughs> she would say the, the meanest thing about people or whatever, but I, just, I liked her. I thought she was very cool. She yeah. must have been old school. Was she there for a long time? Yes, I found pictures of her working on, uh, you know, painting cells for on, on Robin Hood and stuff like that. But uh, she she had me sign her book. She had everybody who worked there sign her Disney book. And then I said, what's this number you everybody puts behind their names? She said, that's the number of years you've been with Disney. And I put one and she said, and she looked at me fine and she said, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my stars. <laughs> She's standing right behind me in, in the... Uh, in the photo of all the of the whole crew of Little Mermaid, which is all these people, she's standing right behind me. And I said, "Hey!" I saw her in the hall, and I tried to be funny. I said, "You're standing right behind me in the in the photo of the Little Mermaid." And she said, "How could you tell?" Because <laughs> <laughs> we're little tiny. Because it was so far away. Is that the one that's in front oh, of the animation oh. building, or is that the one that's in front of like the trees? The trees out in the park, yeah. With okay. Everybody, the store. Yeah. The animation building would be uh, the one that were teams divided. I gotcha. Oh, there is one with animation building, but that was, I think that's Oliver. I don't think, because I'm not in that one. I remember Debbie, Debbie Armstrong out in front looking. Oh, she was always so pretty and wonderful, Debbie Armstrong. What a sweet girl. Now, being that Mermaid is one of my favorite Disney films, um, I, I'm actually just trying to put on a timeline. What year did you get 
to Mermaid? Like, was that early on in like 86, 87? Or when, when were you part of it? Oh, yes. 88. 88. One like okay. a year. Okay. And I, and I thought, oh, Lucille Ball's going to see this. And, she, uh, and she, it's a redhead. And I just was hoping she'd like it. And then she died. Right. But she died in 89. So she died before this. Because, yeah, Mermaid's in November. So she must have died before it, unfortunately. Yeah, she never saw it. Never oh, that's sad. And they were doing, uh, they were thinking about doing a uh, Hansel and Gretel back then. But I guess they could never figure out how to stretch that for two hours. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, let's bring in Lucy to do the, the witch, please. Oh, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that would basically just be that episode where she does the witch in the, in the village. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I'm just oh, drawing a, a very silly Lucy as the witch. Uh, no, I'll show you that. I'll send you that. I'll yeah, that would be so sweet. So for Mermaid, other than, you know, working with the people, was there any, I mean, I've seen your art, obviously, of working with Ursula. Was there any particular scenes that you remember the most? Or do you have behind-the-scenes stories that maybe Ariel or Disney fans haven't heard before? Well, I don't know if you kids would be aware that, uh, that there were two teams that did Ariel. And they didn't especially get along with each other and didn't check so much with, with each other. So that's why she looks real different from time to time. Have you ever noticed she looks real different from time to time? Occasionally, yes, I have seen that. Okay, okay. And and and, and Belle, there's one animator who did Belle, who always insisted that, that you followed her drawings. And you can really tell when Belle is looking a little different. Later, when I was gone, you can really tell with Captain John Smith, he's never the same. <laughs> but yeah anyway so that's one story from behind the scenes um i remember doing the story where scuttle's listening to eric's foot and i thought that was hilarious so uh i got to work on that um it's like one of my favorite moments from the movie oh i'm so glad i love um, scuttle the, and, and scuttle i wanted to work on scuttle i didn't know anything about this ursula thing i wanted to work because I, but i knew it was a mad 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 world had Buddy Hackett in it, and I knew his voice was going. Like, I want to work on that. He's he's my favorite. So then, um, no, but but Vera, who I had worked with on an American Tale doing freelance, so she was familiar with me. She was the head of cleanup, and so she pulled me into her group. I was I worked for Vera the whole time I was at Disney in, in her group, um, and I loved that. She always had me on her side, which is I mean she's the head of cleanup, and she picked me. That's wonderful. Um, Again, it's all the, you, you know who you know and who are your friends. Yeah, who remembered me from just picking up scenes and that they were good. I only did two scenes that I remember on on American Tale uh, when, when Tanya hangs up the violin on the on the wall and uh, when when there's this this big creature that has a, a funnel on his nose. What is that? A, a, a cat that's trying to be a mouse or something? And he has a violin and he's like waving it around. And I have that. I have copies of that if I can just find them. I, uh, with with Dag when he's saying strap yourself in from 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 Star Chaser I have I have I have like in, bound in books where you could clip through it that I kept some of my work if I can find that oh, um, that would be awesome to see. Going oh yeah I hope I have it I, I mean I, I know I have it but I don't know where it is and I really want to show people that and I had I had I did Rue in in uh, the Tigger movie Rue when he looks up and he's he I don't remember what he's seen but he looks over a log and I had these drawings and. I taught a class and I brought all this stuff in because I was doing my best to teach this class. And some kids stole that from me. And I'm like, Oh, please, please. I can never replace that. And I know your mother threw it out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, so, anyway, 
Hopefully, don't steal. Oh, don't ever steal. It's a terrible thing to steal. Terrible. Don't steal. I, I try never to ever steal because just it, it does damage. It's it's a bad thing. Okay, T-Man would not to, approve. Uh, <laughs> hey, boys and girls, if you steal things, you oh, are you going to get it? Yes, without people like that who took, you know, animation artwork from the production, we wouldn't have a lot of the behind the scenes things that we have today because unfortunately the studios just didn't keep things like that. You know, they threw them away. They threw, you know. Well, I kept the model sheets like I've shown you on uh, now and then. And that's uh, great that you did. Oh, I love them. I love them. And um, Ursula, what they call this into this little room. Think of a. You know, big big table with chairs around it, like like some business. <laughs> what the hell? Like a business meeting. And they handed out this this little handout of uh, Ursula and all her tentacles, and they said, "This is the most difficult character we have ever had here at Disney, with all of these legs <laughs> and section cups to keep track of." And I was like, "Oh no, this is my first Disney job, and I have the most difficult <laughs> character." And of course, go big or go home. <laughs> a panic attack but I couldn't let on and then I just came in and I did it was it wasn't bad it wasn't I loved it it, it, it just wasn't really that bad but I remember it wasn't any different than any other it probably took longer to draw her and we had to do one drawing an hour but um I don't remember it being I don't remember wishing that I was on scuttle or anything else I, I worked on flounder I did scuttle I did um some Sebastian I did all the characters except for the chef I can't I don't think I ever did the chef but so many of these characters I did just a drawing here, here and there. See, we would go around to different teams. I was on the Ursula unit, Ursula team. Team Ursula, right here. So then I'd <laughs> go around when when there were no more folders full of drawings. I said, well, we don't have anything for you yet. we got to get this done. So go around, go around, go around to the different areas and, and uh, see who has work. And they would hand me Sebastian or whatnot. And uh, so that way, I worked on all the characters. I see. Now... Actually, let me <laughs> talk about how you were talking about your secret sword. Um, for many gay boys, Eric was their first crush, especially because he was, you know, this heroic prince in, in the Disney movie. I mean, obviously, some boys also yeah. found He-Man and other people. I mean, I think Eric is very dreamy. And, you know, sometimes yeah. I see my boyfriend in him. But, um, you know, specifically, did you ever bring, like, when you were... I, I mean, I know that you said that, you know, the character development that might have come later. But, I mean, when you were drawing these characters, did you ever think to yourself, like, hmm, like, he has definite sex appeal. Like, I'm going to make this person a little bit more sexy than usual. Okay. Okay. Well, I couldn't really – it all had to look like like it was done by the same person. So I couldn't you know, give him right. a, a bigger – anything. But um, but I, I definitely thought he was hot. And, um, in fact – they let us buy two cells and they gave us one. And one of the cells I bought was Eric and a lot of people didn't understand that, but they just didn't know me very well. Did they? <laughs> right. <laughs> did, when, were his so, pants yeah. especially tight in that scene? He's <laughs> <laughs> with, with Max. Um, I, I, I remember they were having a hard time thinking about, they thought Eric was a boring character and I just know they didn't. They didn't consider the, the the gay value there <laughs> definitely not i remember when, when when maureen donnelly came in and she said oh we're so excited that some of the kids like eric we thought he was a boring character okay well quite a few of the kids like eric <laughs> right some more than others 
Well, you know, and it's not just necessarily Eric. And of course, you know, the gay aspects of Ariel and, you know, feeling like you don't fit in. But I mean, let's talk about Divine for a minute. Was it known in the studio that Ursula was based upon the drag queen? Or was that just something kind of hush-hush, kind of an inside joke amongst the We all knew it. I knew it. Okay. I knew it. And then it later came out in in the... In one of the DVDs and in, in the special features, but yeah, I knew it. I think it was a, it was a story that was told around there, and it was Rob Minkoff, as far as I understand. See, now, this isn't my story because I wasn't there, but you asked me, and so I'll tell you what was passed down. Uh, and uh, Rob Minkoff came in one day with with uh, and taped a picture of Divine on top of one of the designs they had, and they, one of the designs they had for Ursula was this character with tentacles. And I would I would guess it's the design the same design that came out in the regular packet, because it looks so much like Ursula except for the head. For the last release, they had you could get a special bunch of uh, prints, and um, there's an Ursula in there. But so that's just that's just my guess. Why? What does it matter? My guess because I don't I wasn't there. I don't know for sure. But the the body is there with the black and purple, and it, and I could just imagine he taped a head on that. If you go down if if you go on my Instagram page and scroll down. I photoshopped a, 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 a divine on top of uh, what I would think happened. Okay, so, so yeah, that's how they got the characters. Like, whoa, that's that's that works. That's what we want. That's a fun story, and you're actually spot on because I just watched the Disney Plus special Howard, and they talk about how Robert did that. So you're, you're absolutely right. They, they, he put up an oh, image okay. of it. But I thought it was fun, though. You know, being a gay man at a studio. Now, were you out necessarily? Like, was it an accepted thing at the studio, or were you not out? I mean, how did that go? I remember. I remember at filmation. It was terrible because people wanted to know if I was gay and I was just afraid I'd get fired and all that stuff. Um, because I remember they, they had a blood drive and they said, now, if you're a homosexual, you don't want you to have, we don't want your blood because there's this AIDS thing out there. So I wasn't giving blood and I didn't want to have to explain it, but I thought that was awful to be in that situation where, why aren't you giving blood, Dave? Mm-hmm. Oh, that wasn't very nice. But you know, oh, yeah. There are things yeah. that aren't very nice, especially with gay people. That, by the way, that's my quest to help the gay guys. They, they need. That's where I fit in to do, for the rest of my life. I hope to make the world better for gay guys, because I understand them. I, um, a lot of my following people that I like, and, and my friends certainly. That's what I can do. People come to me and say, "Oh, do this for the children. Do this for the." Yeah. Well, I've, I've pretty much done my bit for the children, <laughs> and uh, even, even when I was. When I was working on The Prince and the Pauper with Mickey Mouse, I was talking to, to Brett Newton, and he's a gay guy, and everybody knows I didn't, I didn't just out him. I'm sorry. But anyway, and we were saying, what are we doing? What are we doing? All the, we're, we're working so hard to make this as beautiful as possible for these kids. They don't know the difference. They don't know the difference between He-Man and Ariel. What are we doing? We're spending our whole life working for these kids. Now, now that you guys are... 20 and 30 years old, it's not bad. It's great. I didn't see that coming. But um, when people want me to they say, oh, Dave, do something to teach the kids how to draw Mickey Mouse. Um, I just really want to put my energy into helping the world. There are so many persecuted gay people in the world. Let's, let's face it. I mean, it's come a long ways, but there are so many that just have a hard time, and I want to do, I want to help. I, I, this is where I feel I can fit in, and I can help. 
Most definitely. And I mean, you know, as I mentioned before, I think that you are already helping. So whether the stuff that you thought you were creating for kids, I mean, obviously it lasted with us and here we are. And, you know, I have many friends who they grew up just like us on are the Disney. Gay? Well, you know, and then they, um, you know, they have children themselves and then they show it to their children and then now their children love it. So it's like they continue, you know, and as far as it is, it is. And so I think that, you know, having a target market now for yourself is perfectly fine. And I think that that's kind of where your caricaturing comes into play. So just for listeners sake, um, after Little Mermaid, you also worked on Beauty and the Beast. And then you also worked on Aladdin and Prince and the Popper, as you mentioned. Um, Where did your career take you from there? Um, after that, um, I went to Turner Feature Animation. They were doing Pagemaster. And, okay, and along the way, I worked on um, The Making of Me, which is, is um, it, was, it was in Disney World, in Epcot. It was Martin Short talking about where babies come from. I, I animated sperm for Disney. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun story. <laughs> I worked on uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, as I told you. I worked on Paul Abdul dancing with the cat in in uh, Opposites Attract. Um, I worked on something called Computer Warriors that nobody remembers, and I didn't even remember that I worked on that until I got <laughs> on IMDb. Um, um, Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. Jang, lang, lang. I don't know if you know that movie, but um, it's a, it's quite a classic, and I'm glad that so many things that I worked on lived on and on. I'm just lucky because there's a lot of animation that's been forgotten. Oh, I think that you've worked on a lot of things that have become cult classics as well. You know, whether it's mainstream cult classics or, you know, small audiences, but most definitely. Yeah, and I loved every minute of that. And and then uh, on Page Master, I worked on The Dragon. I don't know if you know that movie. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. I remember a Page Master. Yeah. A lot of people don't like the pencil mileage, but I was used to that for Merciless. <laughs> I worked mm-hmm. on The Dragon. Um, and, and a lot of people didn't like the little tiny stuff that I could in Aladdin when the little tiny little little tiny blanket is flying magic carpet is flying around those are my drawings because when you work on that they it's really easy to make it wiggle and look terrible but I love doing the little tiny stuff so I, I got a lot of those scenes after oh hey then after page master they're doing this thing called cats don't dance and um they were going to have a lot of movie stars in it from from the golden age and um I just I took my portfolio down to show the boss that look I I can do this I can do caricatures for you and I got the job to do these caricatures so I got to do uh, W C Fields um, May West Betty Davis Joan Crawford uh, who's the guy with the greasy hair um, Clark Gable um, <laughs> the guy Harry with the Grant. greasy hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to watch this movie now. I honestly, I don't think I've ever seen it before. You know, I've never seen it either. And I actually just bought a copy of it. Oh, did you? Fight him over. Okay. (laughs) We'll have to do a live stream of it. it. I I really think you'll like it. It's it's very underrated. It bombed like hell. Well, naming those names, I think that that's right up my alley. I mean, you've named all those classic characters that I love and adore. So seeing caricatures of animals. Of course. Yes, yeah, David Copperfield. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm the official artist for WC Fields family now. So oh really? Anyway, yeah, I'm just, I'm just delighted when youngsters know him. 
Well, um, I think that we're special youngsters. Again, we are gay youngsters. Like we're in my classic yeah. Hollywood. I know. So. I was going to say, like, I love Mae West. I know. She's Come so up cool. and see me sometime. Again, those are the people that we adore. When I was your age, I loved Charlie Chaplin. Nobody cared about that stuff back then. But yeah, so maybe we could just relate the history like. Well, Lucy loved Charlie Chaplin as well. There you go. It's oh, all in perspective. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't dance. I think you'll like it. Um, I got to do every drawing. They didn't. They didn't divide up key assistant breakdown in between for the for the for the uh, celebrity characters because they knew I could make it look like them. So I got to do every drawing of the characters. Laurel and Hardy. Every drawing in there is mine, and that's very unusual. Now, that's really interesting that you did so much, um, because when you were talking about your other work and, and the in-between work and whatnot, and actually, let me pause myself for a minute. Um, I kind of skipped over Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, but since we have a lot of Disney fans, maybe I should mention that. Uh, what was it specifically that you worked on on each of those? Well, I, you know, just, just lately, I saw something about Philippe, the horse. I know I worked on him a little. When he's when he's about to fall off the cliff and his his, his, his hopes are going, but remember that. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, Chris loves Philippe. that scene. <laughs> Philippe, where have you taken us? Yeah, that that yeah. line is in my family is the standard "we're lost" line. It's where have you taken us, Philippe? <laughs> back up, back up, back up. <laughs> Part of the culture. Okay, thank God. Well, yeah, I, and I didn't really work a lot on Philippe. I just I saw something today on Instagram and. And I uh, remembered it. Um, I did a lot of the wardrobe. Joanne Worley. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I love her. She's such a campy character. You know, they cut a lot of her out of there because she was taking over the movie. <laughs> that makes me so sad because well, that is her. sad. <laughs> she should have taken over the movie. But, they, but, just now, but later, when they, they released the long version, do you remember that? They, they filled in. They filled in the number of the human again and all the stuff. Yes, that out, they she's, got a, she's got a solo so, piece in that, too. There. So that's what they cut, and now you don't have to miss it because you got it. Oh, well, fantastic. Did you do other um, enchanted objects? Oh, the magic carpet I worked on a lot, and I loved it. Okay. Uh, yeah, when I was working on the magic carpet, I thought, nobody's going to care about this. But uh, how, how many times have I said to somebody, oh, yeah, I worked on the magic carpet. You worked on the magic carpet? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's definitely a fan Ooh. favorite. I think that all of these movies have elements. I mean, again, even when you mentioned Philippe, I mean, it's the fact that Chris identified with a Philippe sequence. So I think that there's a fan out there for everyone. And Lee, I mean, I've, I've got a blanket with the magic carpet on it over a chair right now. <laughs> recently, a really good artist contacted me about, he said, did you work on the scene of Ursula saying, banished and exiled and practically starving? And that? Yes, I did. How did you know that? I have two drawings from that because he asked me if I had anything. So he bought those and, and that's good because if I did a drawing that didn't work, um, I couldn't leave it at the studio. Suppose I, I made a mistake. Suppose I had the timing wrong or something. I couldn't leave it at the studio because it's confusing to have an extra drawing around and I didn't want to throw it away. So I took these home and cherished them all these years and he really wanted those. And um, I'm glad they're where they belong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I that's another that. scene where we will often quote from that scene as well. I mean, I, I can be heard more than <laughs> once saying, I'm banished and exiled and practically starving. <laughs> so, again, those scenes are definitely key, whether in the gay community or whatever. But it's, it's definitely something we remember. 
<laughs> Sometimes. I mean, it depends on how dramatic I want to be at that particular point of the day. <laughs> and what I was getting with when you were talking about Cats Don't Dance is that those other films, you know, when you said, well, I did a little bit of work here and there, you know, and if I was done with the particular unit that I was working on for the day, I went around and did other things. Um, you know, there's so many key animators in a film like you know you might only have yeah. like you know 20 or so but then the in-betweeners i think that they take up most of the crew i mean can you give us just a little yeah. bit of example ratio wise how many in-betweeners to key animators you would suggest on any given project oh that's just hilarious because i was asked that on the radio there's this radio interview and they said um how many animators work with you on on, on the little mermaid and i said I never counted them. <laughs> right. What would you guess, like hundreds, or was it just a handful? I remember the number they gave me at the studio that there were 75 of us. I don't know okay. if that included the background painters. I don't know if, who that included, but 75 is the number. And that's, that's pretty big, so that's, that's, that's the best answer I have for you. Well, that's surprising that there was only 75, you know, animators, whether that's in-betweeners or keys, to create, you know, an hour and 18 minutes of animation. So that's a pretty was amazing feat. I was lucky. My goodness. One in a million chance. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. And, and the, they, the animation people back then tended to be good people. They, they weren't especially, you know, the people who, who um, well, they were artists. They were artists. They wanted to make a living being artists, so they got hired to do drawings. And they were nice, generally very nice, good people. The the animation field, I would say, attracted a lot of nice people. And I think, obviously, not only the people that worked in the animation field, but I mean, it sounds like obviously there were people that were also inspired by, as we were talking about, you know, previous um, caricatures or whatever it might be. Um, did you do kind of caricatures all the way through your employment with all these studios? Like, did you ever caricature, you know, people who are working oh, on the shows, yeah. things like that? Thanks for asking. I did. I was the only one I know of the, that did magazine work at the same time. I mean, I, I'd go home, on the weekends, on our free time, and I'd um, I'd do an illustration for a magazine. Back then, I could do a page in a magazine and get like um, twelve hundred dollars for for the weekend. So I oh my god, I, that's good money. Yeah. yeah, I always thought I always thought that I was going to be an illustrator. I always thought you know this is great, great to be working for Disney at this time, but I'm going to be an illustrator. But I didn't realize that the magazines were going to go tits up and, and everything was going to be online. And I, I don't really know where illustrators fit in. Um, it used to be that there were people like Norman Rockwell or Al Hirschfeld or these people who were famous illustrators, and I thought I was going to be one. And by the way, Al Hirschfeld thought he was going to be a sculptor, so this is just how it goes. And Betty Lou Gerson, voice of Cruella, she used to just be so sad when she'd tell me about how she didn't think that radio had to die out when television came in. And then, then traditional animation died out when computer came in. I guess this is just the way of things. But there's still fans of both of those. I mean, I mean, just over the weekend, my boyfriend and I were listening to a radio program. We were listening to My Favorite Husband. And for anyone who doesn't know, that's the radio show that preceded I Love Lucy. So I think there's yeah. always going to be fans of each of those genres. Like there's always going to be classic animation and people who pine for the days when Disney created full-length animated features that were drawn by hand. You know, they, they wish that it hadn't have ended with 
you know, Princess and the Frog or with Winnie the Pooh. Tell me more about the, my favorite husband. I've seen those. Um, yeah. Your, hus- your, your husband was watching those, your boyfriend? My boyfriend and I were listening to them. Um, so yeah. we were, yeah, we were listening to my favorite husband and we were also listening to the George Burns and Gracie Allen show. And I think that any of those, it's, awesome as an artist that you listen to these things and it inspires you. And so there's, um, I'm, I'm not sure of the name, but there's someone that is on YouTube who went through and created these vintage style artwork and they created animation to the audio of my favorite husband. So again, yeah. you know, there's going to be people who are inspired at any point in, you know, this, in this decade or in this era, you know, and are going to go back and be inspired by these things. So yeah, I think that that okay, again. Board. Yeah, it definitely ties back into. Uh huh. Go ahead. You boys all started with this. When I first went to, when I first got to hired on on uh, Star Chaser, the boss said, "I don't know why anyone would want to go into the animation. It's a dying art." But you're hired. <laughs> well, that's upsetting. That to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I thought, I'm out here. I, I came out to Hollywood. I I've got this job, and I'm I'm going to enjoy it, no matter how long it lasts. But then when Roger Rabbit came out. With a big hit, we got 20 good years out of that. So anyway, um, so the question I have for you boys leading up to that is now, I've heard both sides. I've heard said, no, traditional animation is just too hard. They will never do that again. It's just not cost effective, cost efficient, or whatever the term is. Um, it's just gone. That's why they do computer all the time now. Do you boys think there is room in the future for hand drawn Disney quality? animation do you think that'll happen you know i don't know about disney themselves but hand-drawn animation is far from Not- dead uh hand-drawn animation is being done all well, over the that- world there's the there's studios Cloud in japan there's studios mm-hmm. in europe uh, i know oh my gosh what is the studio that i think it's cartoon saloon they made these beautiful films, uh, The Song of the Sea and The Secret of Kells, which are based in like Irish mythology. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, yes. I think I think someday Disney will come back to it. I mean, it'll be difficult. Be so it'll they be difficult it, they because with... they've lost all of the artists who can do it yeah. in the U.S. And they don't they don't have their training ground like when they used to do right. like, the, the animated shorts. So that's a big key part of it. Cinderella. Um, we we had high hopes when Princess and the Frog came out that that would be, that would bring it back. It didn't. And then this new movie, Klaus. You remember that one? That yes. was so good. Was that hand drawn? Like that? Yeah, it was hand drawn. Yes, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. But I don't see that it had much of an impact as far as bringing anything back. Well, not we'll see. Um, on the on the Simpsons, they still do hand drawn. But that's mostly overseas. They do the, the, the I, I tested on that, so I know how they do that. Um, just mainly the pose test extremes. Um, I guess it's not dead completely, but uh, I think it, from it, my it, viewpoint, it was the thing. Right, and that's what I was going to say is that it's it's it was much more mainstream back in the day, and I think that when you had other studios, as we mentioned, you know, Filmation or Warner Brothers or Universal creating their own, exactly, they were all creating their own 
feature length animated movies because they were trying to jump on the bandwagon of success right. that came after Disney and released Disney. all that string of, of different movie and the, and the hits. But then I think like anything else, as we were mentioning about radio dramas, like the radio drama has also kind of come back around. I mean, Chris, you were just mentioning those, um, what do you call them? The podcasts where they kind of do radio dramas. Well, I'm not, I don't think so. <laughs> well, we were just talking about it. So it was basically where they're reenacting like books or they do like books on audio. Oh, well, I like mean, that. yeah, there's oftentimes oh, in audio books, they'll oh, do oh. full cast recordings, which are very radio drama like. Right. So what I'm saying is that there's always going to be a fandom for each of those things. But mainstream wise, I mean, even look at Disney Park attractions. You know, we can cry out till we're, you know, hoarse that we want practical sets and we want, you know, animatronics once again. And yet what do they do? They continue to give us, you know, computer generated imagery attractions and things that are based upon, you know, generate imagery around us like you know experiential like in um the recent releases in like like, um hong was it hong kong or shanghai i mean um where they did the pirates ride and things like that it's like we can tell them till we're blue in the face that we want practical sets and yet they'll continue to give us these other things because it is more cost effective as you said you know it's just the way that unfortunately as a corporation they're not going to look into the nostalgia of it they're going to look into what's most efficient yes and i suppose it's Building animatronics, I suppose that's more apt to break down over the years than than showing a film. Mm -hmm. Although I have to say, I saw some video out of Tokyo Disney where they're working on some animatronics for Beauty and the Beast. Yes. And those are the most fantastic looking animatronics I've ever seen. Really? Oh, how wonderful. But as I've mentioned before, Tokyo is separate from all the other parts. They like so, to spend money. <laughs> yes, and they're also helped and operated by the Oriental Land Company as well. So it's not just necessarily the Walt Disney companies, you know, saying we want to do this or this or whatever. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so, you know, to answer your question, Dave, I mean, I think the thing is, is that we might not see things the way that they were ever again. You know, just like with the movie musical, we might not necessarily say that there was ever, you know, a musical heyday again, but occasionally we'll get those fun musicals that, you know, will be oddities, you know, the Moulin Rouges and things like that, like that will pop up and they'll kind of bring a little bit of a resurgence and we'll see a Chicago again. And it'll be like, Oh, remember this? Like, this is awesome. But then it'll just, it'll be a fad. And so somewhere along the line, someone might make another animated full length feature, but I think it's going to be a fad, unfortunately, and it's not going to be mainstream. So, and thousands and thousands of people employed like it by those. Definitely. Then that's just gone. It was a lot of people that helped to bring the dream and the vision to the silver screen. So now your focus is more, you know, as you mentioned, on kind of the the gay audience. And it's going to be on, like, caricatures and and focusing on that. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. And and if people are interested in finding your artwork, where they can find you. Okay. Well, I've got those. I've got... um... A company put my work on cards, on greeting cards, and you can you uh, hold your phone up to the card and it plays a song. So if it's if it's if it's Judy Garland, it it, it uh, you you scan the code and it plays over the rainbow for you. That's nice. Um, um, I'm gonna do this Triton movie. My my main focus. I was working out at the gym every day before things shut down. 
because I've got to get my body as good as possible. So that's my main focus is my body and my health at my age. And I just want to be as strong and, 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 and um, wonderful as possible. So that's my main focus. Um, Palm Springs Vinyl Records and Collectibles, you can go in there and get sales and you can get uh, some of my workers for sale in there. I sell jewelry made out of the car from It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. I hiked down the mountain where the car crashed and I um, found all this aqua glass. Uh, this is really cool. So I make like shift knobs or keychains or jewelry, anything I can make out of the aqua glass that's actually from the movie. Um, what else? Um, I'm I'm going up north to to really have a crash course in computer with my friend Tony who who works in Silicon Valley. He's getting me all all new computer equipment, and I'll I'll be everything's online now. You know that's the way it is, um, and that's why my Etsy store done well lately because I had it set up for years and years and years, and everybody's happy with it, with their sales, so that matters. So Etsy, if you go to Dave Woodman Art on Etsy.com. I've got even drawings from from the heyday I've got that I have for sale there. Um, anything I can sell that's, that's my work. What else? What else? Um, oh, there's there's um, to sell to save the Orinda Theater. You can get ten dollar pins of of um, my Golden Girls caricatures and and my my um, the Munsters. Those are two square pins that you can get from to, to save the Orinda Theater. They did a good job on those pins. Um, I still I still apply to work in animation every chance I get. Um, anything can happen in life. I, every year every year I used to work at this park up north, and I don't know how that's going to be because theme parks are just not really what's happening right now. But I would go up and and, and um, they'd have me as the guest to draw people, or I could draw Disney characters for them, and that was wonderful for the month of October. Every year I did so well, everybody loved it, no complaints about anything. That was always paradise for the last four years. We'll see how that goes. Um, what park What park was that? It's called Deloso Family Farms. It's up near San Francisco. And um, it's just, you know, a pumpkin patch and, and, and a corn maze and stuff like this and haunted house. And it's very cute and they're packed. They're open for the month of October. That is in, that's incredibly close to where we grew up. <laughs> it is. Actually, Chris, I was mentioning it to Dave that I remember going there as a kid. Good job. Okay, yeah. Well, well um, and I, th- I think there's going to even be a, a bigger park up, up near there somewhere. So uh, I, could, I don't really know yet about that one, but um, it's in the works. And, and uh, I just love Delosos. They're wonderful. Um, well, definitely the next time you are up there. I, I live just north of San Francisco. Really? So, I will well, definitely come out there the next time you're there. Well, I'm up there in, in August. I'm going up to stay with my friends, so let's meet. And yeah, then also, and then also on Instagram, if anyone is interested in following you, you're on Dave Woodman Art. So that's your Instagram where you post lots of Disney and some filmation and lots of different fun caricatures and gay icons and things like that. So that's definitely something if anyone enjoys that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Follow me there. I hope so. Cause I, I really, I really put a concentrate. It's nice that I have this whole library of things I've done on Facebook all along. So then when the day comes, I, every, every new day, I go back to Facebook and on this day and I go down, and I can pick up everything that I've done 
through the years on Facebook since 2008, and I can transfer that and put it on Instagram real fast. The entertainment value is still there, and I don't have to create it from scratch, so that that works. Definitely. Yeah, I, I love well, your thanks. Instagram. It's like a treasure trove of old Hollywood and animation, and I'm always learning something or learning something about a, one of the vintage celebrities. Or So I've really enjoyed Can following. Can I tell you a Phyllis story? Just because I want to tell a Phyllis story. Can I tell you? Of course. Of course. I went to her house once, and she had just come back, come, gotten back from South America. And I, came, I walked in her house, and she didn't have any hair. Her wig, she took her wig off. She was wearing this this little sweatshirt that said "Fly Me" on the back, and I, I later I saw that in the, in the Bob Hope sketch that she did. So she's kept that. She had these leg warmers that were pink and and white checked crocheted leg warmers and tennis shoes, and she wore these glasses that magnified her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and I went in there, and uh, she'd just gotten back from South America, like I said, and, and then she said, "Come here, let me show you something." In the kitchen, she had these. She had this. She took this box out with cellophane on the top, and there were these huge hissing roaches. Oh, no. <laughs> Cross back with her from South America. She, says, she was like a little tomboy. She's like, look at these. They're billions of years of evolution. <laughs> we're like, they were so big, we could hear them walking in the, in the box. And she says, she says, I used to have three of them, but one of them committed suicide. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like quite the eccentric. My goodness. <laughs> um, <laughs> she was such a doll. And then, then like a week later or so, I mean, not long at all later, I saw her being honored by the mayor. And she's all dolled up and sophisticated by <laughs> two different people. I just love her. She was a great sport. She was, she was funny, naturally. She was a kind, darling woman, and she didn't have any belief in in the hereafter or anything like that. So it wasn't like she was being nice so she could get a reward. She was being nice and kind because she wanted to be, because it felt good, I guess. Right. Who who was that again? I'm sorry, I missed the first part. Yeah, that was Phyllis. Oh, Phyllis Stiller. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're from, from your Once Upon a Time. What is, what's the yeah, name? Happily Ever After. Yeah. But of course we know Phyllis Diller from outside of that. We know her as a comedian. You do um, know her. That's wonderful. Yeah. I wish she, had a, a, I wish she was remembered more because she doesn't, I mean, he, kids are even forgetting Lucy. They, when I go to Deloso and draw people, if, if I draw, if I'm drawing somebody young, you know, usually, you know, I talk about my career, Phyllis Diller or, or Lucy or whatever. I don't bring up, I don't, if I, if I bring up Phyllis Diller or Lucy, the kids don't know her. If I bring up He-Man, the kids don't know it. They, the really? Disney stuff. I, I think He-Man's getting a new feature, isn't it? Yeah, Netflix is producing a couple of new He-Man shows, and they just yeah, produced that new She-Ra show. So. Yeah, I think there was a legal battle for a long time, or something that kept that in limbo. Mm. And now maybe they won't let it die because it's very important to put it in front of the kids for them to see it, or else they they won't. The reason I know Lucy and the Munsters and Gilligan's Island. It's because they were on TV after school. They, that's what we had. And if, if, if it's not there in front of you, you're not going to see it. Not, I, I understand. Don't kids not even watch TV anymore? Well, they do. But I think the thing is, is they're, they're not also the type of kids to wait to the next episode. They're so used to having the entire season dropped 
on the same day so that they can binge watch it. You know, it's, so it's, it's a little different. You know, you can't have the cliffhanger is not necessarily the the you know the thing that you wait for and you talk about at school. So it's very different now. No, now the cliffhanger is the thing that makes you keep watching ten more episodes in exactly. a row. <laughs> Yes. And I bet the parents like that. They're like, go over there and watch this. Leave me alone. Like, right. Get drunk. <laughs> watch all four hours of this series. Oh, goodness. Well, Dave, thanks so much for sharing all your memories. I, I just love the vast stories that you have about all of the classic actresses and just your memories of animation and all of the experience that you have. It's just such a wealth of knowledge and, and just experiences. So thank you so much. Yeah, we're so glad thank to have had you today. You I'll see thank you. you. I'm going up there this month uh, in, in August. Uh, be, I need to be on Creature Features in, to, uh, to, in the beginning of September. So I need to be up near you boys. If you're near San Francisco, maybe we can, see, maybe we can get together with masks on. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Or sit way far apart outside. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I mean, we would definitely love to get together. I mean, if you're up north, you're going to be able to meet with Chris. But once you're down south again or in Palm Springs, we can meet up because I'm out here in Los oh. Angeles. So. Oh, OK. Well, I'm yeah. there, too. OK. Yeah. OK. We, th- we can't thank Dave enough for coming on and chatting with us about his memories of Hollywood and animation and art and being willing to share that with us. If you want to find out more from Dave, you can find him at Dave Woodman Art on Instagram, or you can find Dave Woodman Art at Etsy. If you want to purchase any of his artwork or any of the jewelry that he makes. And if you want to find out more from the Jewel Writers Archive, you can find us at www.jewelwritersarchive.com, or you can find us on any of the social media platforms at Jewel Writers Archive. If you want to find more of our podcast, you can find us at our home on Podbean or on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. And as we always like to say at the end of the show, friends together, friends, friends forever. forever. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dave, for joining us. We appreciate it. We hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.